begin our sermon. If you want to turn to Colossians chapter number 3, Colossians 3 will be there in just a moment. Waitress Nikki Pirog had seen the two women crying. The woman she presumed was a mother and a daughter. And there was a single gentleman. They were at her only tables in a small secluded section at a restaurant in Cambridge, Massachusetts. She didn't know what had happened until the man passed her his bill and credit card and this note. Do me a favor and bring me their check too. Someone just got diagnosed. Please don't tell them. And Nikki writes that I combined the two checks and he paid for both of them. Neither of us really spoke of what took place as he had obviously not wanted to make a big deal out of it. He wrote me a second note on his new bill, thanking me for my help and telling me to relay the message, best wishes, to the ladies when they were ready to leave. But when the ladies were ready for the check, I told them the man near them had taken care of it, and the mother was overwhelmed with emotion, which I have to admit almost got to me too. Pirog first posted a photo of the man's note on Reddit. She was compelled to share it because, in her words, I've never really had anything this moving happen to me while at work. People sometimes need to be reminded that there's good in the world. This man's simple gesture is what we would call an act of kindness, an act of goodness. I was fortunate to grow up in a home where I saw kindness modeled nearly every day by my parents. Kindness was my mom going over to our youth pastor's home, um, cleaning, gathering up their laundry, bringing it back to our house, doing it all, folding it all, making dinner, taking it all back over, putting it away, feeding the family dinner while my youth pastor's wife was undergoing chemo treatments for cancer. It was my mom who, who would sit in the choir loft at church, and I remember one particular occasion she relayed to me, there was a, a young lady who came in after church had begun, and uh, this lady was somewhat ostracized by some of the other folks in the church, and she sat by herself on one side of the auditorium. Kindness was my mom. When they dismissed the choir, she went and got her stuff, awkwardly moved all the way across the auditorium to sit next to this lady just so she knew she wasn't alone. It was my dad. My, my dad who, uh, who would, would go out of his way to help anyone, giving, giving money to, to family, friends, strangers, money that quite honestly uh, we did not have during this particular stage of life just to help them out. It was him dropping his plans for his business on a particular day to go and help a friend whose equipment had broke down just to help and give a lending hand. Kindness was something I grew up with in a thousand small and most often unnoticed acts of generosity. Today we're going to consider that spiritual fruit of kindness that is listed for us in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. Uh, but the text that we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks to kind of launch us is 
a, a mirror text. It's Colossians chapter number 3 and verse 12. And in Colossians 3.12 it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, what are we to put on? Compassionate hearts. Kindness. Humility, meekness, and patience, which we've spent the last two weeks talking about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us now, as was already prayed, Lord, to, to understand, but to apply, to do these things, to image your kindness to the world around us. We pray for your help in this endeavor. In Jesus' name, amen. Kindness is our translation of a word that describes this, the quality of being helpful, beneficial, generous towards other people. And so today, let's begin by considering our call to kindness. And here's the definition that I really want to work with, provided by author Jerry Bridges. He writes this, Kindness is a sincere desire for the happiness and the good of others. I want to repeat that. Kindness is the sincere desire for the happiness and the goodness of others. So the question we begin with is, is does that describe you? Are you a person who is sincerely interested in, sincerely desires the happiness of others? Are you the person who enthusiastically strives to make other people happy by meeting their needs, their emotional needs, their physical needs, their spiritual needs. Are you kind? Listen as Jerry Bridges further describes kindness. He writes this, he says, I tend to think of kindness in terms of our awareness of those around us and the thoughtfulness we can express to them. Almost incidentally, kindness may be as simple as a smile to a store clerk, a, a thank you to a waitress, an encouraging word to an elderly person, or a word of recognition to a small child. None of these expressions is costly in time or money, but they do require a sincere interest in the happiness of those around us. Apart from God's grace, most of us naturally tend to be concerned about our responsibilities, our problems, our plans, but the person who has grown in the grace of kindness has expanded his thinking outside of himself and his interests, and he has developed a genuine interest in the happiness and the well-being of those around him. So the opposite of kindness, which is having a sincere desire for the happiness of others, the opposite of that is selfishness, which is having a sincere desire and interest in my own happiness. Kindness is looking outward. Kindness is aware when others are in need. Selfishness looks inward. It is oblivious to the needs of others around us. Selfishness treats others with disregard. And so again, I ask, which of these best describes you? I've shared this story before, but I want to recount what takes place in John chapter 4. 
John chapter 4 is that famous chapter that, uh, where Jesus meets with the woman at the well, but, but they stopped there at that well because they were tired and they were hungry. And, and the disciples go into the village of Sychar. The well is outside of that village. And they're going into town to get the food and the, the supplies that they need. They're going to bring them back to Jesus. But while they're in town, the woman comes out of the town. And Jesus strikes up an intense and powerful conversation with her. Concluding in this, she says, I need to go tell other people about this guy. So the disciples make their way back out. They're um, uh, a, a little uneasy about Jesus here talking to this woman. And as she goes back into town, they approach Jesus. And Jesus strikes up a conversation with them. And they say, Jesus, eat some of this food. And Jesus says, I have meat to eat that you are unaware of. And they're like, I don't know what he's talking about. That, that was most of their dialogue with Jesus throughout the ministry. I don't know what he's saying right now. But then Jesus says this. He says, look, look to the fields because they're white to harvest already. The crops are coming in. But Jesus isn't trying to get them to look at the wheat fields around the village. He's trying to get them to see this mass of people that are now coming towards the well because the woman went back into town and said, you've got to meet this man. He's told me things about myself that no one could know. Jesus is trying to get the disciples to see the mass of people who are now coming. Now, the, the, the point I want to make in this story is the disciples had just interacted with many of those people. They went into town, they went into the shops, they bought supplies, and none of them thought, you know what would be kind, you know what would make these people really happy, is to meet Jesus. They never thought to ask the shop owner, do you want to come meet this guy that we've been following? They weren't thinking of that. They were like I so often am and you so often are, thinking of themselves, their food, their bellies. Jesus draws their attention to what kindness looks like. Look at these people. That will make them happy. One other, one other instant that I want to pull out is from Galatians. We've been working through this. We, we talked about this particular illustration that Paul gives in chapter 2 where he was in Antioch and Peter came to Antioch and Peter was eating with um, all of these Gentile believers, these followers of Jesus who were not Jewish by birth. They didn't have that heritage. And Peter was eating with them. He was sitting at the table with them. He was having conversation with them until what? until some of the Jewish leaders showed up from Jerusalem. And then what did Peter do? He backed away from the table. He didn't want to eat with them. He didn't want to associate with those non-Jewish Jesus followers. And Paul withstood him to his face. Peter was not acting in kindness towards those Gentile, non-Jewish followers of Jesus. God's word today is calling us to look up, to look out, to look around us and be aware of the needs of others. But it also deepens our call there as well. Listen to this. 
Our natural inclination is to show kindness to only those for whom we have some natural affinity. Family, friends, likable neighbors. But God shows kindness to those who are most despicable. He shows kindness to the ungrateful. He shows kindness to the wicked. Have you ever tried to be kind to someone who was ungrateful? I mean, unless God's word is at work in your heart, you, you typically conclude in that, I'll never help that person again. I'll never go out of my way to do anything for them. But God never turns his back on the ungrateful. Jesus says to us, love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And I realize that even as we consider this idea, that seems far-fetched. That seems maybe impossible to show kindness to, to those kind of people. But before you write off being kind, let's, let's take a deeper dive and let's consider this, the kindness of God. The kindness of God. Just as it is with every other fruit that we have and will consider, we should desire that fruit in our lives. We should desire the fruit of kindness to grow in us because that fruit is the very nature of God. Just as Jason uh, read us and helped us to understand what it is to be created in the image of God, we're meant to, to uh, share His attributes, share His fruit, His kindness with the world around us. It's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. We should strive to be kind. We should show kindness because God is kind. And even further, God has been kind to us as well. So let's consider his unfailing kindness. Look with me at a few different passages here. If you'll turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 35 Luke 6, verse 35. Just referenced it a moment ago, but I want you to see it. Jesus speaking, teaching, but love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and you will be the children of the highest. You will look like your Father, in other words. Notice what he says. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. That's the kindness of our God. Turn with me to Romans chapter 2, if you would. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Paul is arguing here. And he writes this, Do you presume on the riches of His kindness? 
his forbearance, his patience. What he's saying is, do you take for granted his kindness, his patience and forbearance to you, not knowing this, and I love this line, God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. It's not primarily the hellfire, damnation preaching that brings us to repentance. It is, according to this, primarily the kindness of the Lord that draws us to repentance. Why were people drawn to Jesus? Because he was kind. Because he was so interested in the happiness of those around him, he engaged in their lives. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter two. Just a couple more books over past Romans. Ephesians chapter two, verse seven. It says this, so, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God is not done showing kindness to us. Why? Because it's part of his character. It's not one action that he performs and says, there, I've done my kind deed. No, it is his character to be kind. One more text, Titus chapter 3. If you're in Ephesians, keep working your way back and you'll move through Philippians and Colossians and 1st and 2nd Timothy and then Titus. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. Paul again writing, describing us, humans. Notice what he says. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. We were disobedient, deceived. We were serving all sorts of lust and pleasures, malice, envy, hateful, hating one another. This is who we were. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. It wasn't that any of us in this room had been doing wonderful things and God says, you know what? I'm going to send Jesus. It's that we were doing wicked things. We were hateful. We were evil. And in kindness, he sends Christ. Do you grasp the weight of these verses? It is because of God's kindness, his sincere desire for the happiness and the, the good of others that we are saved, that we are here today because he is kind. Listen as MacArthur writes this. He should, we, we should remember that, that we were saved by the kindness of God our Savior. This word connotes genuine goodness and generosity of heart. Our salvation from sin and lostness and death issued wholly from God's kindness, His loving and benevolent and entirely gracious concern to draw us to Himself and redeem us from sin 
forever. Today, we must rejoice in the kindness of our God. Hmm. And the cross, the cross stands as a monument, stands as a Mount Rushmore of the kindness of God that he has shown to us. But we also have to take to heart and be admonished and challenged that God shows his kindness even to those who despise him, even to those who reject him and his good word. Remember those Samaritans we talked about a couple of weeks ago? Anybody else have a microphone on? Because that was weird. Maybe he got in my beard. They were the ones who didn't want to let Jesus stay in their village. And James and John, they immediately said, well, let's, let's call down fire from heaven and consume them. How does Jesus respond in that moment? He shows kindness. He's interested in the good of those people even as they reject him him. They reject him. The one who put on flesh and came into what? Even as they reject him, the greatest act of kindness God would ever show to those Samaritans in that village. Yet he continues to show kindness. God's kindness to even the unjust and the wicked can be noted in and those who reject him are still gifted. They still have talents and abilities. They still contribute to society. They, they have food that they can eat. They have friends that they can enjoy. Oxygen that they can breathe. It, it, scripture tells us that he causes the, the sun to rise on the just and the unjust. He causes the rain to come on those who are just and those who are unjust. And so what lesson do we draw from these accounts of the kindness of God. It's this. And if I can get you to consider one truth to take away today, it's this, that He is kind to everyone. He is kind to everyone. To the ungrateful, to the wicked, to the utterly lost and hopeless, to the rebellious, without distinction. And if we're to become like Him, if we're to bear His fruit, if we are to image Him, then we too must strive to be kind to all men, to concern ourselves with their happiness and their good. Who do you struggle to show kindness to? Catalog through the people that God has placed in your life. Who have you concluded, I'm never going to help them again. I'm never going to seek their good again. They burned the bridge. Remember, God shows kindness to all men and women. Maybe it's a family member for you. Some of you got some pretty colorful family members. And it's difficult to be kind to them. Maybe it's a coworker, 
you always have to pick up their slack. Everybody else always has to pick up their slack. Show kindness. A church member. Maybe you're at odds with somebody in this room. I hope not. I pray every week that God would continue to give us strong unity in Christ. But even Jesus sat at the table and dined with Judas, gave him something to drink, gave him something to eat, gave him another opportunity to repent, to stop what he was about to do. Maybe it's a neighbor, difficult to get along with. I've got some really rough neighbors. <laughs> These are my neighbors, by the way. Maybe it's a politician. Many, many of us um, are not fans of maybe the current administration and some of the particular policies. But does that excuse us from showing kindness? Obviously, God is still showing kindness, right? They're still alive. He's even placed them in a position of power, a position of authority. We are called upon to pray. We're called upon to pray for those whom God puts in positions of authority. We're called upon to honor them. And we can't take that for granted and take that out of context because the Apostle Paul is writing those things in relation to the Roman Empire who had a nut job named Nero running the, running the show. <laughs> and he said, gives honor to whom honor is due. Pray, pray for the emperor, pray for the king. Pray that God's will be done in those circumstances. We must show kindness. I hope you see where these fruit are so intertwined. Right, it's like those combination fruits that people come up with. We have to have patience if we will be kind. We have to have a settled peace if we will be kind. Love is again that overarching descriptor of all of these fruit that come underneath. We have to have love. Second question I have for you is this. Where do you need to repent of selfishness so that you might redirect your attention to others, to the good of others, for the happiness of others? Maybe it's selfishness with your time. I don't want to give up my evening. I don't want to give up my morning to help somebody else. Selfishness with your talents. You use them only for your own benefit. Selfishness with your, your money, your resources. Selfishness with your preferences. I, I just want to do it my way. I don't want to prefer the interest of other people. I want what I want. And I want you to do it now. Maybe it's selfishness with your, your thoughts and your words. And so maybe, maybe you move through your day like I often do. I'm, I'm so focused on the objective I have in front of me, the goal that I want to meet, that I forget to acknowledge the people around me 
and the kind things they do for me. And I don't stop to say, thank you. I, I don't consider what other people and the ways in which they're serving me. Three, where and how can we apply the kindness of God to others? Where can we do good for the sake of others? In Matthew 5, Jesus says this. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and in turn glorify your Father who's in heaven. We're called, that, that light is not us. That's the image, right? We're the image bearers of the true light that is Jesus. And we're meant to, to do good works and to produce the fruit of the Spirit and to show kindness to people in our words and actions so that others in turn say, I want to get to know that God. I want to know more about that light. I want to know more about what makes them so kind and generous? So how can we shine the light of Jesus? What kind of good works do we need to be doing as a church? As a city set on a hill that Jesus would describe in that same context. So I want you to, I want you to think about these questions. I'm, I'm going to be sending out actually a survey this week. Because I want to I want to see what you see. We all look at different areas of life. But where are needs going unmet in our community? Who are those pockets of people that need the kindness and goodness of God shown to them? Why do we struggle with sharing the good news of Jesus? with our neighbors and friends and family? What opportunities are we missing to show kindness? I want you to think of that, not just in the context of outside the church in our community, but even inside the church. Where are we failing to show kindness to one another? How can we be better at affirming and encouraging inside. We just sent out $300 checks to our missions partners. It's a blessing. We adopted more residents than we've ever adopted from Republic Nursing and Rehab for Christmas. We helped dozens of families this year keep their lights on, their heat on, their air on with the difficulty of the year and paying their utilities. We've provided groceries to hungry families. But that's not enough. The greatest work that we continue to fail, and, and I lump myself here as well, is to actually share the hope of Jesus with others. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to be able to help somebody pay their electric bill, keep their lights shining in their house. But eternal life is far greater than that. The hope and help and peace and joy and love and all of the fruit that Jesus provides is far greater than even any of those physical actions we can do.
Many of you, we need to develop a kind disposition to be sensitive to the needs of others, truly desiring the happiness of those who God puts around us. But sensitivity alone is not enough. There has to be action behind the word kindness, and that's, that's that next word in the list, goodness. Goodness is the outcome of a kind heart. We'll discuss that one next week as it compels us to enter the world of someone else and share the hope of Christ and offer a helping hand. Would you please bow with me this morning? We have much to consider. Hopefully we have all been at least humbled by the kindness that God has shown to us. The cross stands as that monument that he is kind. He is good. He loves us, not in pieces. He loves us wholly and completely. But I also hope that right now, as I'll give you a moment, the Spirit is bringing people to your mind. People that maybe you've been selfish towards, cold towards, that, that God is compelling you to concern yourselves with their good. Maybe it's a prayer of repentance you need to pray. Maybe it's a prayer that God would give you opportunity to grow in kindness in those relationships. I'll give you a moment to pray. Father, today, this week, give us eyes and hearts to see as you see. Help us to, with, with wisdom, driven by love, to concern ourselves with the good of others. Maybe it's a smile, a thank you, some food. But most importantly, God, compel us to share Jesus, the hope, the joy, the peace that he brings. Help us to share how he died for our sin, rose again, so that we might have life. Help us to be mindful this week of to not be cruel, to not be crass towards others, even if they're our enemy. Because you, God, love even your enemies. 
we were your enemies. But now in Christ you call us friend because you are kind and you are good. Help us this week to grow. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.